Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Leanna Pierce on the show. Leanna is the owner of and instructor at Four Corners Yoga Studio in Northeast Fresno. We discuss pain in yoga, the comparison game, yoga and fitness, common mistakes and errors, conflicts with religious worldviews, overrated poses and clothes, the benefit of retreats, the business side of operating a studio, what she has learned about Fresno in teaching yoga classes and operating a studio, and more. Leanna is wonderful, and I know you'll love this conversation. So let's go meet her, and Baker will take us there. Culture, art, music, show some respect to the best Middle City left in the U.S. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. So, Leanna, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Oh, that's a great question. Kind of depends. If I'm solo, which I love to eat solo, I probably eat uh, by myself at least twice a week. <laughs> and I eat at the 777 on Willow and Nice. Got a good broth. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. But if I'm with family or if I'm going out with friends, I I don't know, call it basic, but I like an SO. I don't think it's basic, but let's dig into the pho for a second. What do you, so the broth is important. Does it matter? You know, I used to get uh, tripe pho when I lived in San Francisco. I would get yeah. pho with all sorts of pork in it. What, what's your preferred, like, protein, Type. if you will? Oh, yeah. We go pho thai, which is rare steak pho. I mean, the yogis on here might not love that because, yeah, I do eat the meat. But, uh, yeah, pho thai, rare steak pho. I keep it simple. I can't stray. I try, but I just go back to that every time. Is it only a winter thing that you do, or do you have pho year-round? Oh, it's a year round. People think I'm crazy. It'll be 110 here and I'll be sitting there with a hot bowl of soup. Uh, is there any like, is there any like health element for you? Like it's like hot yoga for your mouth? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Honestly, I do. I call it healing. It heals my soul. But I don't feel 100% physically or mentally. I jump into a bowl of uh, anyone who knows me knows that about me. Yeah, it's like uh, when I go to coffee shops in the summer and I order a latte and then they say, do you want it iced? And I just kind of look at them dumbfounded. I'm like, no, I don't want it iced. I, I want a latte. Yeah. Like if I want something iced, I want an iced coffee. If I want a latte, I want a hot latte. A hundred percent. I'm I'm with you on that. It is hard because I'm not Fresno native. So getting used to this heat took a minute with hot coffee. But yeah, if it's a latte, it's got to be hot. I'm glad we're on the same page about that. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of different general yoga questions that I'm going to jump in uh, with to start. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the business side, which I'm really curious about. But before we go there, the first thing I want to talk to you about is pain. Can you discuss the role of pain in positions during a yoga class? I, a lot of us have arrived at this kind of helpful realization that pains, feelings, emotions, that's information that we use in order to understand what we should do next. It's not, it shouldn't direct us entirely. It shouldn't be directions, but it is information. And in years past when I've done yoga classes, whether it's in Southern or Northern California, I've had teachers tell me that if you feel pain, just stop. But then I also mm -hmm. have felt that it's inhibited my growth. And so I think it's an interesting conversation to talk about stretching your limits when it comes to pain. So what, yeah. what's your personal philosophy on pain? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, I would be like your other yoga teachers because you'll hear me say probably in every class, I always say, remember that pain is never welcome in this practice. And then I follow that by saying that discomfort's okay. And that's where we learn to utilize our breath. But if it becomes sharp, 
that is your body signaling you to come up or to come out. So there's differences, right? So if you're looking at it like red light, green light, yellow light, green light means you can go further. Red light is your body screaming to stop. Yellow light's okay. Like a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of unease that that is okay, but it should not be sharp. That is, that is a sign that we've taken it too far for our individual body, in my opinion. So how do you define discomfort then? That's, that's a really good question. I would say it's not easy to be in, right? You're not just sitting there. You're needing to find breath because of this sense of discomfort. But sharp is screaming, right? Discomfort's mm. a little, a muffled whisper. <laughs> mm. I see, I see. And I, I that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I, a few years ago, I was skiing at China Peak and caught a log and ended up breaking my femur and had to Ouch. ride an ambulance down to Clovis Community and had to go oh. through, I want to say like four months of uh, physical therapy. And so I learned a lot about, that. yeah, I learned a lot about pain and like when to push and when to rest. I recently had a friend who had a little bit of an injury on the, the Fresno Marathon. And we were talking just last night about kind of like when to push it, when to let your body rest. And I feel right. like there is kind of this cultural discourse about push through pain. You know, I, right. I work at a high school and I've got all these boys that will come in asking for David Goggins books and he's about pain as an illusion or pain is misinformation that you just need to keep pushing. And yeah. it's, it's hard to get people to want to stop. Do you, do you struggle with that when you're teaching a class in terms of people just wanting to push through? Yes, absolutely. And the irony is I was that person, no pain, no gain. Pain is weakness leaving your body. That's if the Marines were to call it that. <laughs> I have a dad and a brother that were Marines. So I definitely used to be the person that would push it too hard. And I do see my students maybe not listening to their body. It, it took me a very, very long time to learn what that meant. But yeah, no, I struggle with that a lot. And I think it's a process to learn when to push yourself and when not to. So pain doesn't mean it's difficult because when it's difficult, it's still okay to push yourself. Pain is literal in the sense of pain. So maybe my heart's beating fast and I don't want to do anymore, but I push through it because I'm looking for that edge. It, there's a difference between the two, but but we have to get to the mentality that if we allow ourselves to get to the point of pain, we're actually going to you know, not be able to progress in any way. Because if you've had an injury, what sounds like you have, it can be frustrating. And it's a mental game more so than anything for people that are used to being active. So if they can get to the place that they understand pushing it farther than their body will allow is going to not allow them to progress. I think, you know, you learn to honor yourself that day, your body changes each day, depending on where it is. I've had some rough injuries myself. Uh, it's a reason that yoga has helped me so much. And learning that took me a very, very long time. But once I did, I feel like I've been the best to my body that I've ever been. doesn't mean I'm not pushing myself. It just means I know when to stop. Mm, that makes sense. And that's what I encourage my students to do. Yeah. The other thing that gets in people's heads, particularly in gym or studio context, is achievement. We have like a pretty flat world where we can have access through video of people on Instagram doing wild yoga positions seemingly at ease. And it's really right. easy to get in a paradigm where you start comparing yourself to other people and thinking about what your personal best is and what your achievements are. And I, I think there is a lot of value in a kind of a growth mindset and seeing that you have potential to grow and get better. But it seems like it could easily slip into just a comparison game where you're kind of 
maybe viewing your achievements in light of other people's achievements and seeing them as deficient compared to other people. And there are limits biologically with what each of us can do. How do you think about and how do you articulate growth to your students and what What's a healthy mindset around growth? Yeah, I think that's a very good point about comparison. And again, the irony is that that's kind of the entire route or that's entirely what Four Corners is meant to be about. About We focus the energy on the four corners of our mat, recognizing like everybody in the room is different. Everyone has a different anatomy. We all have different injuries and learning how to honor yourself that day. So as far as growth, we talk a lot about your practice is going to look and feel different than the next guy. And if that's the case, that means you are truly practicing yoga. It is something I believe in more than I can articulate. It is the entire reason that this place exists because I've lived in a lot of places. Sounds like you and I have a similar trajectory. I was born and raised in the Bay and then I was in San Diego for about 10 years for school and after. And I've been to a lot of yoga studios And it's no disrespect, no better, no worse, but I saw that intimidation factor in almost every studio I went to. And it was unfortunate because the way that I learned to understand yoga was the opposite. It, it, you know, Sanskrit, it means um, to unite, to yoke, and it's union of yourself and obviously with others, but learning to honor yourself. And if people, I think, did I lose you? Nope. Still here. And I think if people understood that, they could try less with the comparison because you can have progress in your individual body, but you cannot compare it to the next guy because it's not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about yoga and its relationship to other uh, exercise programs. How do you think about the role yoga should play in a general fitness program? If someone only does yoga, do you think that's limiting their overall fitness growth? Or do you think someone can just primarily pick one domain of fitness and stick with it? That's a very good question. I think it depends on the person and their goals. So yoga can be a full body workout. You know, I get careful because it is fitness. It's a little bit of everything. The people that may understand yoga philosophy would also call it a work in, but it is a workout. So can you get an entire body workout with yoga? Yes. Um, Can it be a great supplement to other types of activities? Yes. If you're looking to lose weight, depending on where you are now, do you need to add in other things? Maybe, depending on the type of yoga you're doing, right? Because we have everything, you know, from gentle yoga to restorative yoga that might have a more meditative aspect to power yoga and yoga sculpt, which have definitely a more fitness background. So you could get it all if you were to explore the different type of classes. Absolutely. But I'm also a big fan of supplementing movement. I think it's great for our bodies to not get too accustomed to anything and to change it up from time to time but for myself I do the majority of yoga but I do incorporate different types that include the sculpt and the power and the gentle and they all serve a different purpose talk about mistakes for a second I certainly have made lots of mistakes in the on a mat and I think that there are different obviously different kinds of mistakes that people tend to make what are the most common mistakes you see with beginners and then the most common mistakes you see with advanced students yeah good question with beginners i would say i see it's probably the same i see people pushing themselves out of form to get to where they want to be and in a group class it is really difficult to take care of everyone individually so you can say verbally hey if you have a sensitive knee stay up here 
I can be looking at the person directly and they'll still do it because they want to achieve that, that mm. maybe they see it, they see a demo in front of them and they want to achieve it. But I see people pushing themselves farther than they need to, to feel good. And I see it in both. So once you become quote unquote advanced, however you choose to define that, then they get excited and they want to take it even further. I struggle because I, I, everyone, I'm almost annoying to the point where I say it's not really about the pose, right? It shouldn't be about accomplishment, but I get that we're goal-driven people. So once you start to get comfortable with your practice, it's like, oh, what's next? And I was at that point at one point in my life. Right now, I wouldn't say I'm even a crazy advanced yogi. I just like daily movement with breath because I think it gets, it can get a little out of hand if, if it's always the next pose. That's the goal. Because yeah, you look on Instagram, you're going to see some people doing some wild stuff. And that is yoga, but also not. <laughs> yeah. So what in your brain, when you're doing yoga, what percentage of it is focused on breath? I mean, breath is the foundation of the practice. It is tough for me currently because I teach a lot more than I can take, but the breath should be the majority of it, to be honest. The better we breathe, the better we move. And it's something that I've actually dived into quite a bit more recently. It was definitely the thing that was hardest for me to understand as I started this yoga journey. And I did not get the breath for years and years and years. And, and when you do start to get it, it makes the movement so much more seamless. I don't the best way I can explain it. What's your ideal yoga session length? Is there something that's either too short or too long? Yeah. So mine might not be a popular opinion because traditionally you would see a lot of 90 minute classes, hour and a half. In our studio, we only do hour long classes. I think it's kind of the modern day yoga in the sense that people have, it's very hard for people to quote unquote, make time. No one has the time, but you got to make it. So that hour is, I think, an ideal amount. But if people could make more time, a good 75 minutes would get in because you've got your warm up and your cool down and then the heart of it. It's hard to fit it all in an hour. When you first start teaching, you're thinking, how am I going to fill this hour? And now I think, how am I going to be done in an hour? So in a perfect world, if there were no time constraints, maybe the 75 to 90 minute class, but in the modern world that we currently live in, I think 60 minutes is pretty good. I wouldn't go under though. Yeah. And I don't, I wouldn't want to cut that last five to 10 minutes where you just land on your back going like, <laughs> yeah. it's all worth it. <laughs> it's all worth it. Right. I always say, I say, you might be cursing my name during a class or whoever the teacher may be, but afterwards you'll never be unhappy that you went. Yeah, I totally agree. How, how would you respond to someone that comes into your studio and worries about how yoga might conflict with their religious beliefs? That's a very good question. I was actually a little hesitant, again, not originally from Fresno. I you know maybe had some misconceptions about the area because of the places I lived prior. Maybe didn't have such a religious foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was worried that there were going to be misconceptions. And I've been fortunate fortunate enough to get to know quite a few of our regular members that are very strict, maybe Christian or of different faiths, but have a very strong religious belief. I always tell people that yoga is not a religion. Yes, it is founded in Eastern philosophy, but that's just what it is. It is philosophy. And you can see through its history, yes, it was tied to different, what you could call religion, but I really do look at it as philosophy. So if that concern comes my way, I always say, you know, you have to, yoga is what you choose to make it. So if the teacher is saying you have the opportunity to set an intention for your practice, some of my Christian students will say a prayer. 
so you you make it what you'd like but there is no in my opinion conflict because this is just a general philosophy it is not by any means a religion I guess that's the best I could answer it. it. It's come up actually quite a bit. We we get that question a decent amount. And I encourage them to look into it. We were fortunate enough to have our next door neighbors who are a church lend us their outdoor patio during the COVID lockdown. And that was really special that they did that. And we we had that open conversation and we all came to the same conclusion that there was no conflict. Yeah, I mean... You know, if they're worried, we can just call it something else, uh, super stretching or whatever, whatever term yeah. is helpful for people. Yeah, um, it is interesting how often that comes up, though. But yeah, like I said, we have a lot of regulars that have a very strong Christian faith and and we've had some really um, great conversation about about it. And like I said, how, how they choose to define it. OK, I'm going to ask you some questions now about kind of the business side. What what do you wish you could tell yourself when you're just starting the business? That's a tough one. I've always known this. So like, but to remember, never get complacent that it will always be a grind. And I wish I had understood the industry a little bit better. This is, I came from a professional background thinking I knew quote unquote business, but the business of yoga is entirely different. It's a different beast of an industry for sure. It, it lacks consistency. A lot of, and I love, I absolutely adore my staff, but yogis, you know, we're free spirits. <laughs> so it's just a different way. It, it is a different way of doing business. And if you have a corporate background, you think you know business and you know nothing <laughs> when you come into the business of yoga. But it's been an interesting journey and I wouldn't change it for the world, but there was a lot to learn. I, I don't know what I would tell me now because I kind of knew it was going to be a grind, but yeah, it is definitely that. Yeah, makes sense. Is the Fresno market saturated with yoga teachers or is there, you know, more demand than the supply? And how does how does teaching yoga fit in for most of these people? Is it a second job or is it something that people can do full time if someone's thinking about, you know, getting certified and going through that process? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say it's saturated. It's wild because I have seen quite a few yoga teacher trainings in town. I wouldn't say it's saturated. And everyone has a different style and it seems to fit well in different places. Full transparency, it is really tough to make yoga a full-time gig. And it kind of breaks my heart. Actually, having seen the business side of it, especially having been, you know, broke college kid for way past college, never understanding why yoga was so expensive. And now being on this side of it and seeing how low the profit margin really is, even with the prices that we have to uh, charge, it it's wild to me how it all works. I wish that people could make a living just teaching yoga. It is hard to do. They would really need to ask a lot of their body and their mental energy to teach enough classes to make it worthwhile. But there is ways to make money, you know, with workshops and retreats and things like that. If you can get a little bit creative with it. But I wouldn't say it's oversaturated, but there there are quite a few certified teachers. But a lot of people go into a yoga teacher training not necessarily interested in teaching in a studio environment, but maybe bringing it to their existing career or as a side thing. I'll say the majority of our staff, this is a side gig for the people that found a passion in yoga, but they they do have a more full-time job. But we have had a handful and we still do that yoga is their job and they do it in multiple places. And I have so much respect for that. And it I want to be able to make it worth their while. So I do my best with what we got, but it, it is tough if it's a full-time gig. It's it's a lot of work. 
what does churn look like? Are you cycling through teachers a lot? Are they do they studio hop? You know, depending on you know environment and who they're working for. Yeah, I've been really fortunate. We've had a really wonderful group of people that are incredibly loyal. But that said, is their well being is my priority. So I'm always, you know, they can teach wherever they want. Fresno market is different. I would say, in my experience in San Diego, it was very, very common for teachers to teach at multiple studios, and I think that's how they were making a living. You'll also see a lot more in those kind of demographics of people just teaching yoga, whereas in Fresno. And again, it's no disrespect. It almost feels somewhat more like territorial or everyone kind of sticks with their own space. And that was that was new to me. And I and I I was a little bit surprised by it. But again, I think if I were to speak just for our teachers, I just want what's best for them. And if I can't give them enough classes for them to make a living, I would never expect them not to teach elsewhere if they had that opportunity. That makes perfect sense. I'm going to lob you kind of a softball here so you can just smack it. Let's say you're talking to a person and they say, why should I pay all this money to come into a studio to learn from someone when I can just go on YouTube and find, you know, tutorials or 45, 60 minute sessions? What's the benefit from being there in person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a big one. Yeah, because people will say like, oh, I can go yoga at the gym. And I'm like, absolutely can. And it serves, hey, it serves a great purpose. I think online yoga, gym yoga has introduced people to yoga that probably would have never stepped foot in a studio. I can fully understand the studio environment feels terrifying. We do everything in our power here not to let it be. But there's something different about being in a space where etiquette exists, where the space is dim, it's safe, it's quiet, it's calm. In our case, we, you know, have infrared heating panels, we've got everything to set the tone for a practice that feels a little more calm than it would in a well-lit loud gym or at home when you've got your responsibilities on the other side of the door. So we just try to create an environment that feels like you are away. It's a little bit of an escape. And plus there's a lot of added perks. I mean, I don't want to try to sell it, but (laughs) we got a lot of things going like essential oil rags and amenities that are available. I mean, it's a it's a one-stop little shop. My next question is kind of just uh, another kind of business, just to think about how people are approaching it. What what would you say your ratio is of customers that pay a la carte versus people who have memberships? Yeah, it's funny. So percentage-wise, it'd be tough right now to tell you, but there is a good portion. I'd say at least half are a la carte. And if you were to talk to any like business coach, especially in boutique fitness, they would say you should only do membership. Don't allow for a la carte, you know, don't allow for class packs, all that. That's, that's the corporate way of thinking. And while I understand that way of thinking this demographic, especially Fresno being more of a community space, it's just different. Boutique fitness is different. And it's hard to say, Hey, you're only going to pay me a membership if you're someone who dabbles in different types of movement. So we made the decision to allow for a la carte, And we also made the decision to be a lot more lenient than, like I said, a business coach would tell you with no expiration on some of these packs and things like that. But what I've found in my experience in a community like this is people seem to really respect those fair rules and they continue to come back. So I've always said, as long as I can be fair and keep the door open, I'm going to try to allow for all those different types of people to come in instead of, oh, you have to pay a monthly fee, otherwise you're out. So kind of in that vein, what would you encourage? I mean, how often, if someone has a membership, 
what would you encourage number frequency per week? Yeah. So in my opinion, and this is where I, it's so funny because I wish you knew my old sales life, but I'm so bad at selling yoga because I never want to feel forced. I believe in it so much that I don't yeah. want to feel like I'm trying to sell it. And my friends, family, and staff laughing at me, they're like, you're so bad at selling this, but because I want people to love it and come because they love it. And, but in my opinion, if you feel, if you expect to feel any progression in your body, whether it's flexibility, strength, lack of pain, whatever you're looking for, you need a minimum of two to three times a week, because you'd be shocked at how quick our bodies bounce back to tighten. So if you're and it's again, no disrespect if someone's popping in here and there, but if you're looking to feel progress in your yoga practice, in your mobility, in chronic pain relief, whatever it is you're looking for, in order to feel progress, you got to come at least two to three times a week, in in my opinion, my humble opinion. <laughs> so my wife and I both really like the show Parks and Recreation. And there's a character in the show named Chris Traeger. He's played by Rob Lowe. Anyway, okay. so he one of the things he talks about in the show is he sees his therapist and he he'll say like he sees him like 15 times a week. Is there is there like a is there a point at which you could do it too much? <laughs> Honestly, I don't I don't know. I, we we have What's people... your record? What's what's yeah, what's the most you've ever seen someone do like not for just one week but like regular pattern like what's what's your highest user you've seen? I mean, I we have some students will it's rare, but we have some that'll do 3 a day, but we definitely have some that do 2 a day. And respect, I mean, I need to be on my mat too. Like we do, we we have definitely a couple handful that'll do double days multiple times a week. Wow, wow. Yeah, That's incredible. it's incredible. But if I, if it wasn't my job, I would do that. I mean, really, if I could, I would. All right, my next section is called overrated versus underrated. It's my favorite section. I'm gonna throw a bunch of stuff I know, at you. I was scared. Yeah, I was I, like, it, it can be a little intimidating. I, I I completely get it. That's kind of what makes it fun, though. So I'm just gonna throw a bunch of stuff at you. Tell me whether you think it's over or underrated and why. Okay. okay. All right. So we're gonna do one that I do with everybody. Me and Ed's pizza. Ooh, this is not gonna be a popular opinion. Overrated. But I'm okay. not from the valley. Okay. Okay. So give okay. me that grace. So I went through kind of my adjustment period where I rejected it and then kind of have acquired a taste for it a little bit like when you okay. first start drinking coffee as maybe a teenager or something. And you just never hit that point where you've developed a love for it? If you add a little extra cheese on there, I'll, I mean, <laughs> I'll go for it. <laughs> okay. So there's not enough cheese on me and Ed's pizza. If you put me in his pizza in front of me, I'm not not going to eat it. <laughs> but when I first, and it's so funny, everyone makes fun of me because I would hear when someone would say it, I heard meatheads. I heard meatheads. And when I finally saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard everyone talk about meatheads. <laughs> everyone would laugh at me. <laughs> so me and Ed's. Anyway, I eat it. I have respect for it. It's a wonderful chain. They do good. My kids love it. Our family loves it. Yeah, it's just... Where I grew up, it was El Super Burrito, okay? If you go to my hometown, El Super Burrito is probably not all that good. But in my heart and in my head, it's amazing. <laughs> El Super Burrito. I was I was a devotee when I lived in the Bay Area of, of Farlito. That was the big one when I was there. Yeah, that's uh, was, a, yeah Farlito. Yeah, but that's yeah. in San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of them across there. But I, I will say, as someone that's lived in Northern and Southern California, the burritos are better in 
in the Bay Area than in Southern California. Tacos are better in Southern California, but burritos hold the North. Correct. I agree. And I agree with that statement because tacos, I would say San Diego, but yeah, the burritos up in the Bay. I was on the peninsula, so a little bit south of the city in like Millbury, San Bruno. I don't think we had Farlitos in, but I know that I've seen it in the city. Got it. All right. Next one. Being able to do crow over or underrated. Overrated. Okay. Everyone it's wants just, to do it. Why? Why is it overrated? Everyone wants to do it. Well, my perspective is unique. You know, like I'm so anti. Don't try to get the pose. I mean, it's great, and it incorporates a lot of you know it. The strength that you build to get there is great, but just what are you going to do with it? You're just going to hang out and crow all day. I mean, it's good. I, I was really excited when I first did it too. So I understand having those goals, but. I'm still going to stick with overrated. Okay. Is uh, next that one. bad? No. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right on. And I can't do crow. So I appreciate you saying it. Um, <laughs> all right. Next one. Expensive yoga pants. Ooh. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm a very practical person. And I also worked my ass off to get to where I am in life. So I was broke for a very, very long time. So I was frustrated that I could never afford expensive pants. And when I finally got to a point in my life where I could, it was very liberating. But I got to admit, I got to admit, once you pop, you can't stop. There's, it's just a different experience for women. I don't know what it's like for men, but for women, it feels real good. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, well, worth the hype. Yeah. So. Well, and I definitely have dip in, dipped into that store quite a bit that we won't name because I don't want to promote them at all. And, you know, there, there's some, there's some, they have some competitors now, you mm -hmm. know, some, some serious competitors, which I think is good for them as a brand because I think they monopolize the market for far too long. But I think my wife would say the exact same thing is you can just feel the difference. Yeah. It's just, you can feel it. And I almost feel guilty admitting it, but yeah, that's one thing that I worked hard for it and I was happy to be able to get, but the other ones work just as fine, look just mm -hmm. as good. So wherever you are, but yeah, it, it feels real good. Well, on that <laughs> note, what, what do you recommend for, you know, what men should wear in the yoga studio? Is there certain things that you see that work well and certain things like, you know, like I, what's trendy for men now? And this is, I won't, I'll say this brand cause I use it. I, you know, Anyway, Viore has great <laughs> shorter shorts for men that I uh -huh. in, enjoy when I'm doing yoga. But is there length or like suggestions you give to men? Because I think it the market has a lot of options for women, but men, maybe it's a little more uncertain. Yeah, they really don't have a lot of options for men. I mean, I think they're coming out, but I always just tell people, you got to think about what you're comfortable in moving in. So for most men, it's shorts and a t-shirt, a t-shirt that's tight enough to not go over your head when you bend over. You know, because men ask that question all the time. And I say, I would say you got to think of what you're most comfortable moving in, potentially sweating in, probably a little bit shorter length for the shorts so that they don't get caught up. All right. Next one. Corpse pose. I mean, underrated. I would say do it all day, every day. No, it's so funny. So if you're new to yoga, it's the worst, myself included. I mean, I still have days where it's tough, but it is. I mean, I have to curb my enthusiasm when I talk about yoga, but it is the pose that brings it all together. Like I always say to people like, yeah, during the class, we put ourselves in challenging positions and postures and shapes. But like for a lot of us, that one is the most challenging simply to be still. Right. But it is where your body and your mind reap the benefits of what you just did. Your nervous system gets to soak it all in. It's really important. 
it's super important. Okay. Next one, hot yoga. And then as a corollary to that, what's the ideal temperature? Okay. Again, my not my I might not have the most popular opinion because hot yoga, it depends on how you choose to define it. So traditional hot yoga is 105 with forced air heating plus 40% humidity. So it's zero disrespect to any place that offers that because a lot of people absolutely adore it. In my personal opinion, that type of heat sometimes can risk dehydration and be a little bit a little too much for certain bodies, right? For certain people, depending on what they did that day. So do I love heat and yoga? Yes, but I like it at a less degree. So we, for example, here at our studio, we do infrared heating. I believe it to be very therapeutic for your muscles and your joints and all that fun stuff. But we max out at about 90-ish degrees, give or take some variables out of our control, like how many bodies in the room or what it is outside in front. So I do like that type of heat. I would say it's not for everybody. It depends on your personal health, but it does allow you to get a little bit deeper into your muscles, especially in my opinion, that infrared is, is huge, but we don't add any humidity. So it's a different, it's just a different type of heat. You can, it doesn't, you don't have that kind of claustrophobic feeling in the air of like moist or like, oh God, I hate that word moisture <laughs> in the air. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a big fan of of some heat and yoga, but I would call the type of yoga I like warm yoga, right? It's it's in between. It's funny because we here we offer no heat, low heat, and heat. And now when I do a no heat class, I'm like, I can feel the difference in my body. Like I'm a lot more stiff with the no heat. But for some people, it works. I mean, sometimes heat just freaks people out. And you know, if you got people that have trauma, sometimes that can create you know, so that no heat is a great option for a lot of people. And that's why we still continue to offer it, but a little bit of heat can go a long way, just a little bit. Okay. My next one, you kind of touched on a little bit, but we're jumped back in. Uh, Cause this is actually where I went to my first yoga class, I think in 2000 and maybe, and it was okay. an LA fitness. Uh, yeah. So gym yoga classes over or underrated. Yeah. I mean, overrated I'm not here's the thing I don't know I see their value I see the value in it even if because here's people I don't judge if people look to yoga just for stretching right like some yogis will say oh that's not yoga and I'm like well if it's helping them who cares like it is what you choose to make it like you want to make you strong and limber in your body great you want to be strong and limber in your heart great so it's I don't know if I can answer overrated because it serves a good purpose it, it does introduce this practice to people that may not have gone to it otherwise. But if you love the practice and you want to get further into it, gym yoga, you know, it's just, it's bright, it's cold. There's people talking, they're walking around. You can't, you can't take it in the way you can in a studio setting, in my opinion, but it's affordable, you know, it's more accessible. So it serves a good purpose. I believe it serves a good purpose. Okay. Next one. And this one's popular and I won't share my particular point of view until you've shared yours, which is cold plunge <laughs> over underrated. Cold plunge. All right. Full transparency. I, I dabbled and I did enjoy it. What I didn't enjoy is I didn't dabble enough to invest into one that is always cold. So I was just doing the ice every day and it becomes a pain in the ass. It's a lot of work and I'm spending like 10 bucks a day on ice and this and that. I don't know if I enjoyed it because I liked the discipline of it. Like I, something about it, I liked the discipline. It got me up quick. 
you prove to yourself each day you can do something hard. Like I did like that. And I also believe in breath work and I was doing a little breath work with it. So I enjoyed it. I don't think I did it long enough to know the true benefits of it. I've done, here's the thing, in the world we live in, you're going to find anything to support what you choose to believe. But I did do some research on it and I got a history of a family with bad, bad bones and that whole concept of it helping to produce brown fat. I don't know if it's real, but if I could believe in it and it worked, I'd like that. So uh, I liked it. I did like yeah. how it made me feel. I'm not going to lie. But I do yeah. believe it's a little overrated right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I already have an idea of what your opinion is. It's it's just the hype. Like you we don't have to show people we're doing it. <laughs> but, yeah. But I did. I'm not going to lie. I did like how it made me feel. And I wish I could have stuck with it, but that whole 20 minutes of dumping ice into this thing and then creating a mess and cleaning it up. If I can afford one of the ones you just pop in and pop out, I just have to make sure I'm committed before I spend that kind of money. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll go into my monologue. So I, yeah, I took a, cl- <laughs> I took the Wim Hof class in 2017. Oh, you uh, did? And I have a chest freezer in my backyard and I keep the water. Oh, yeah at 36 degrees and I was in it this morning. Okay. Do it, do it year round. I was worried you were of the other mindset. Oh no, no. I am, I am a a cult member and you might even call me a cult leader because I've been helping people find the right chest freezers for their backyard. And okay. We need to talk because, (laughs) because we have filters. We've got like temperature gauges to keep it at a certain temperature. It's a whole thing. And I, I, I do think you're right though. I think it, even as a placebo, you know, just like a, like right. something that you have discipline with. I think it has its value. I really do think you have to do the breath work though, to make it effective. If you just do it by itself, yeah. it's, it's kind of effective, but if you have, you know, I've got the little Wim Hof app on my watch and I do it every morning and before I get in yep. and my wife looks at me too. like, I'm insane because it's like 40 degrees outside and my chest freezers at 36 and I'm climbing in at 630. But yeah. I, I, I just, I, I want to do one hard thing a day where I have absolute control. That's, that's the way I think. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's how it was for me too. And I, I, I want to believe in the other benefits of it, but like I said, you know, you'll have people that can say otherwise mine was my original reason for trying. It was the production of the brown fat. Cause I've got a lot of arthritis in my family, some pretty rough rheumatoid things. And so I just, I'm trying to do anything preventative, but that, the mind part of it for me is what I loved. I'm like, you, you show yourself, you can do anything. And this is coming from someone who like my most uncomfortable feeling is being cold. Like I run cold. I'm always cold. When people are hot, I'm still cold. And I thought, no, I can never do this. And so the fact that I was able to be a little bit disciplined with it for a short period, I think I lasted six weeks because I just got sick of buying the ice. But I keep telling my husband, I'm like, if I know I can do it, and I'm going to stick with it, then I'll pay more money. I got a buddy who did the same thing with the freezer. I just, I'm scared I'm going to do it wrong and like electrocute myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely a concern. I will say this, so this upcoming weekend, we're recording this right before Veterans Day. And so once a year I go to Yosemite and go swimming in the winter. So it'll oh, that's be this awesome. weekend where I'm going to go, go swimming and, you know, throw some tourists off as I climb into the water. And that's safely, so great. Very safely, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. Just, well, yeah, we should chat about yeah, the Wim Hof and stuff here in town because I kind of want to get some stuff going. All right. Just a couple more on the overrated versus underrated, and we'll do these ones a little more rapid fire. Yoga okay. retreats, over or underrated? 
God, that's hard. You're putting me in a pickle here. Like, <laughs> if someone pays five thousand dollars to go to Thailand to do yoga, I mean, look, if they need it that bad to pay five grand, then it's absolutely worth it. I mean, go, sitting around doing yoga, talking about how to better yourself, I I don't see the harm in it. Yeah. All right. Next one. Fitness watches. It depends. You're a marathon runner. You're like a long distance runner and you need to know everything. Then yes, I wear it. I wear it. I feel like I get credit. Yeah. Do you track <laughs> your yoga? Placebo. Do you track your uh, yoga performances on your watch? I do. Yeah, okay. I do. I like to see my heart rate. It's hard because I'm teaching half the time. So it's not really a good example, but I do. I like them. Okay. Two more. Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop and its effect on yoga. Oh God. I know. I live in a black hole of popular culture. Oh, good. That's probably <laughs> and the I know, greatest thing that you've done for yourself. I know very little. There's a part of it that annoys the shit out of me, and I don't know why because I don't know anything about it. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what she says about yoga. Okay, last one, headstands. I mean, overrated in my unpopular perspective of it's not about the pose. Inversions are great. You can get inversions in a lot of ways. Having your you know, hips, your heart, above your head it serves good purposes right but you don't need to do a headstand to do that but it's cool yeah okay all right our last section before we end with book recommendations is kind of some fresno questions let's say you attended a yoga conference with studio owners from across the country how would you describe the fresno yoga community to them it's a really good question i would say that fresno is unique that we are a geographically vast town with a small town feel and again, that it is pretty, I, I don't want territorial to come off with a negative connotation, but it is different than anywhere I've lived. No better, no worse. But all the yogis I meet here in town, I always say, I'm like, I don't care where you practice as long as you're practicing any yoga is good yoga. But if I, yeah, that's where I'll keep it. Okay. So kind of related to that. And I ask a lot of people this question because I think it provides some interesting answers and responses. I, I think that where we work and what we do often gives us a unique perspective on a place. What do you maybe understand about Fresno, given your profession, that others who work in different fields might not? That it's a wonderful place with good people. And that took me a while to get to, to be honest. So born and raised Bay, then San Diego. I had my misconceptions about Fresno for sure. And the, my first couple of years maybe were a little tough because I hadn't found my groove. And I moved here. My husband was born and raised here, so he knew everyone, but I didn't have my own. And ever since the studio, I've met such incredibly beautiful people from so many different walks of life and belief. And it's really uplifting to see that we're all, that we all coexist with different beliefs and different lifestyles. And we're here in Fresno, California. Who'd have thunk it? Last one in this section. If more people in the city of Fresno did yoga, how would the city change? Yeah, God, the world would be better if we all practiced yoga. I believe that if you spend some time on your mat with yourself, you understand yourself better, you can compare yourself less. I mean, I think it would help mental health is physical health and vice versa. And I think we'd be better to each other in Fresno and all over if we all did yoga. Okay. Final question. What are two or three books you'd recommend to listeners? Yeah. Well, it's funny you brought up um, Cold Plunge because I just read that book, Breath by James Nestor. Oh, that I, book is so good. It's so good. I'm like shouting from the rooftops to anyone who will listen to read that book. So right now that's my my flavor of the month, but I'm not actually like an avid reader by any means. Um, I pretend my husband makes fun because I buy books and then they sit on my nightstand. But Breath, I would definitely recommend to anyone who will listen. 
a couple of young Pueblo books are just quick pickup, like inspirational, like inward or lighter. And then I actually just read one that was pretty cool. I don't, I'm not a huge nonfiction person. If I read, I like like memoirs and stuff, but I read The Measure. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's the premise is it's a fictional world, but everyone in the world globally receives this like box at their door with a string in it. And then it comes to find out the length of the string is the length of your life. And it's a really interesting perspective of one, would you look in the box once you know it's real? And once you look, what you do with that information. And it's interesting. It even plays into like how the government handles it across the world. It's, it's, it's a wild book. And I, like I said, I don't normally like nonfiction, but it's really good for perspective. Hmm. All right. Uh, to close, can you share uh, where Four Corners is located, uh, some of the classes you offer, and if someone's new, uh, where should they start? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So Four Corners Yoga is in Northeast Fresno. We're on Shepherd and Chestnut on the Shepherd side. And if someone's new to yoga, we have plenty of options available. So we've got gentle classes. We've got beginner classes that are meant to be very foundational and be educational. And then we have everything upward from there. So it's kind of a, you can get everything from the gentle, the restorative, the meditative aspect to the full sculpt power. And the in-between is our most common, which is called all level. And that's a mid-range class offering options for whatever you're looking for. I really believe it's, it's a good spot for people to start or for people to continue their practice. Well, thank you for talking to me. This has been great. I've learned a lot and I really appreciate the fact that you're here in Fresno doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was nice to finally meet you. Likewise. Fresno's best. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.